Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Welcome to The Way Radio Live. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. The title of the sermon today is The Power of Simple, Humble Christianity, and I pray it's a blessing to everyone that hears it. So let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we're able to gather here each Sunday afternoon, uh, brothers and sisters gathering even at a distance because of uh, modern technology and the blessing that that can be when it's used to your glory. Lord, I just ask that you would um, open our hearts and our minds to your word today, to your truth, that you would bless this message, and that each person that hears it would be blessed and strengthened and edified by it. Uh, Lord, we live in a time that is full of a lot of uncertainty and chaos and darkness, and I pray that your word would just be the bright shining light that it's meant to be into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the title of the message, The Power of Simple, Humble Christianity, and it is uh, a part of the Coming Storm series of sermons that I left off on a few months ago. And if you've been listening, um, a couple the main topics that I've been going back and forth with are the gospel. Obviously, that should be a part of every message, but God's grace and the righteousness that we are blessed with in Jesus Christ. And I think you'll see that those messages are very applicable to what we're going to be discussing in the coming months as we move forward more and more into this coming storm series of sermons. If you're not familiar with them, you can go to our YouTube page. Uh, you can just look for The Way Ministry Church on YouTube, or you can go to The Way R122 on Facebook. That'll and You can link over to, or actually go to our website, thewayr122.org, and you can find the link there for our YouTube channel, and you can go back and listen to the previous uh, sermons in the Coming Storm series. I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been praying a lot about it, and I felt like this is something that I should really um, be delving deeper into. So what I hope to get into in the coming months uh, is to be able to delve into a lot of the teachings in scripture that are mostly ignored by the church and have been for a very long time. Topics and issues uh, that um, the church doesn't like to discuss because they're not politically acceptable, uh, or they're not uh, socially acceptable, they're not politically correct, um, they don't fit the business model of the modern church. But I do think they're something that's very important for us to to be learning and to be uh, striving to know all that we can about. So we'll be going into those topics. That's all I'm going to talk about it today. But today, let's look at the power of simple, humble Christianity, which I think is so important for us to understand in light of the things that we see going around, going on in, in the world around us during these times. Uh, we're warned in the scriptures of what we're now experiencing in the world. And the reason for this series is so that Christians can look at the things that are happening through a biblical perspective, through an eternal perspective, and not be weighed down by what's taking place in the world around us. Because, I mean, I'm 57 years old, and I have never uh, seen times like these. I never thought I would, and I never thought I would see things happen um, that are quite evil in such a rapid manner. Um, the things that we see that have taken place just over the last year are absolutely mind-blowing. But like I've said before, with a proper biblical perspe perspective, we can actually rejoice during these times, as we're told to do in Scripture. So let's look at 2 Timothy uh, 3.15. Pull this up on the screen here. Which says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, 
but denying its power, avoid such people. That is a very concise and precise and accurate description of the world that we exist in right now. I don't think anybody could argue that point. Uh, America, uh, this is actually a sermon that I've rewritten that I preached back in 2018, and it's it's fascinating. I've rewritten it, but as I was going through it, it amazes me um, my what I was thinking of just two or three years ago, and then to see what's happening now and thinking, wow, who would have known that some of the things that I was alluding to just a couple of years ago would have would have either come to pass or, or seemed like nothing compared to, th to what's happening now. But America seems to be on the brink of civil war, and many might agree that it's already started. America is in a very, very bad place. Our economy is... Um, it's really in a shambles. It's been held together for a long time um, artificially with very cheap credit. Um, and I believe it's to the point where it's it's almost imploding. We're seeing inflation in the last few weeks or maybe a month that's the highest that we've seen in at least 13 years. Um, so our economy is on the brink. We have uh, someone sitting in the Oval Office who was not duly elected by the people. I think it's a lot of people don't want to admit it, but I think it's been very clearly proven that that election was a fraud and a hoax and a scam. Um, we're being absolutely controlled through uh, the fear of a virus that is quite uh, benign when you look at the real numbers and realize that the survival rate is above 99.7%, but fear is absolutely entrenched so much of American society. And the, so and the media and our government has been very, very successful in their very long attempt to divide the country, to stir feelings of hatred, and to create racism where racism really doesn't exist. And uh, so we see all this tension that's happening in America. And I do feel that we could be on the brink of some type of civil war. And we're actually sort of, I guess you could say we're in like a cold civil war uh, right now. World superpowers are making strategic moves as they threaten one another. China is overtly uh, trying to cause problems with us, with other countries. Uh, Israel and Palestine and uh, Hamas from within Palestine have been basically uh, at war for the last week or so. And um, the number of missiles that have been fired into Israel is absolutely astonishing. And it's just fascinating to see how such a small country all down through history has been protected uh, by the grace and the mercy of God. But we see Israel being attacked just relentlessly right now. Um, uh, much of the world, like I mentioned before, is trapped in psychological bondage because of the lies and the propaganda uh, that surround the COVID-19 hoax. And that's still how I refer to it. And one point I want to make, as I go more into these sermons, um, I've really been thinking about it and praying about it. I'm going to address things the way I feel they need to be addressed. And I'm not going to um, dance around uh, things that, that I feel to be true because I'm afraid I might step on someone's toes or I might offend someone. I think our church, the church has been doing that for too long. And I think it's time that we start making a stand. So I ask if anybody hears this, that you would listen with an open mind, uh, that you would seek truth. And that if I say something that's offensive, you know, shoot me an email, or we, you know, we can communicate about it. Uh, but don't just, if you want to disconnect, go ahead. But the point is, um, I'm very convinced that we live in times where truth needs to be proclaimed without compromise, uh, as courageously as possible, and with the boldness that we're blessed with in Jesus Christ through his word. So that's sort of the attitude that I'm moving forward with um, as I go into the, the coming months. Uh, like I said, uh, my birthday was just a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know why a lot of people... I'm not one of those people that tends to make resolutions on January 1st. I always sort of take a time of reflection on my birthday each year and try to figure out what I want to accomplish in the coming year, what goals I'd like to reach, um, how I want to do things different. And as far as preaching and what I'm doing in ministry, uh, the thing that I really felt like the Lord was leading me to is just an increased level of boldness, 
a more intense proclamation of the truth of scripture and an absolutely uncompromising um, adherence to what God's word teaching it teaches us and striving to strip away the things that this world has corrupted God's word with and the gospel and scripture with and to get back to what we learn about in scripture because that's what's going to strengthen us and arm us and help us as we engage more and more in the spiritual battle that we are involved in that's being played out more and more on the physical realm that we inhabit. Um, regarding COVID-19, that's what brought that up. I'm not going to... Um, dance around what I feel it's all about. I've researched it extensively for the last year or so since this whole thing started. And I do believe it is probably the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. If you look at it from a, from a, a just a, a numerical standpoint and the damage being done is horrific. Um, people are accepting a vaccine that is untested it's offered by big pharmaceutical corporations with proven histories of damage and death, and that it, and that vaccine affects the very DNA structure of the human genome, and it's pitched nonstop on every mainstream network and social media platform. You know, I work out of the house, and um, uh, usually I'll take a break uh, midday, and my wife and I'll have lunch together, and it amazes me in just one hour. If we're eating lunch and we've got the television on and the news, um, at least 20 times the vaccine is being pushed. That right there tells me that there is something extremely wrong with this vaccine and extremely scary. But what I'm going to get into at some point in the coming weeks or month is I want you to think about uh, in Genesis, uh, God tells Satan after Satan deceives Eve and talks her into, fools her into eating of the tree of good and evil, which she's been commanded not to. Uh, the Lord says, I will put enmity, enmity or hatred between your seed and the seed of the woman. And I believe that that has very much to do with the reason that this vaccine is being pushed so much. I believe it's, it's something that's coming from a very evil, sinister agenda. So keep that in mind. There might be something you want to research a little bit. Um, the seed of the woman, the seed of Satan. Satan, since the beginning of time, has been trying to corrupt the human race. And I'll delve into that more in coming weeks and month, months. And then it's interesting that uh, this vaccine is called a messenger RNA vaccine. And messenger in scripture is the word and uh, angel, basically. Messenger means angel. The Greek word is eluding me for some reason. I think it's angelo, angelo or um, angelos. I'll have to look it up. I apologize. I didn't put that in my notes. Um, but basically, a messenger RNA, what is it what message is it carrying to your DNA structure, which is your which is the seed of who we are. So just a little hints of things that we're going to be looking into uh, as we go forward. Um, Americans are giving up freedoms and liberties without any fight whatsoever because of the propaganda induced fear of a virus with a 99.7 or higher percent survival rate. I had never thought I would see fear permeate our society and our country like it has in the last year or so. It's absolutely astonishing how horrified some people are and how they have absolutely stopped their lives because they are just simply turning on the mainstream news, listening to everything that the mainstream is telling them and that the government's telling them and that these supposed experts are telling them, even when there's been proof for a year of how many lies have been told and how many of the claims that have been made about this um, uh, virus that are absolutely proven to be false and people still go along with whatever they are commanded to do through mandates or rules or whatever. We have over a year now of proven lies and manipulations surrounding COVID-19, yet the masses continue to submit mindlessly to the relentless flow of mandates and rules from their self-proclaimed masters. People have lost the ability to step back and think for themselves and make sense of a situation. Imposter Biden, and that's how I refer to who some people call President Biden, I will not call him that. Imposter Biden stated last week that you must either get the vaccine or continue to wear a mask. Folks, 
that should be very alarming to anybody that hears that. You must either get the vaccine or continue to wear a mask. So you've got a man holding a position illegally who's totally incompetent to do so, who has a career that's basically the career of a lifetime criminal who has never held, uh, who has never done anything except hold public office and made millions off of the backs of hardworking Americans, basically threatening and saying either you get the vaccine or you're going to wear a mask. That should be very alarming. Yet people swallow it without even thinking twice. This is the part that really, really angers me about this whole thing. Children are being psychologically abused and conditioned to comply without any thought or informed consent as they are sent to school day after day with masks on and forced to social distance. I've seen the pictures from public elementary schools where these kids are forced to get up to their desks exactly when told, to stand exactly arm's length apart, to wear a mask, and to, to act in a way that they're commanded to do according to COVID-19 guidelines that are put out by the CDC, which in case you don't know, has a massive vested, vested interest in the vaccine industry. Folks, public schools, or what I call the public indoctrination system, is not an option for Christian families. I don't believe it has been for many, many years. My wife and I struggled and sacrificed for years to homeschool our son, and it paid off very well. Um, but I'll just tell you, my, my belief is, and again, this is my own opinion, if you're a Christian family, you must do whatever you have to to make sure that your children are not sent to a public school day after day after day, because it is absolutely evil and contrary to the teachings of Christ and the teachings and the doctrines of Christianity. It's absolutely of this world, and it is an evil system that they are being indoctrinated into. And to see these poor kids walking around with masks on and standing a certain distance apart because of this ridiculous COVID hoax absolutely just gets my blood up. It's, it's insane. Um, really, in doing that to children, it's how you destroy the spirit of their individualism and the creative minds that they have at a very young age. You get, you crush that sense of adventure and that sense of individuality, and you teach them to basically act like little Nazis and do what what exact whatever they are told to do by the powers that are controlling them. Please keep your kids out of there. Look at where the country's at now, and then consider this: when we get a glimpse into the minds and the thoughts of this nation's founders, the contrast with modern political representatives is shocking. I want you to think about the people that are running our country, Biden, Pelosi. If you look at what, um, uh, forget the name of the governor in California, um, I guess by choice. Um, if you look at what he's doing and, and like Whitmer in, uh, I think she's in Michigan, uh, these governors are absolutely in these, and these political representatives are just, doing everything they can to, uh, Gavin Newsom, he's the one from California, but these people are doing everything they can to try, to try to strip away freedoms and to control every minute aspect of people's lives. And they're, they're using the COVID hoax in order to bring it about. But I want you to look at the way our leader, our, I don't like to call them leaders because they're, they're not leaders, they're representatives, how these representatives are functioning and speaking now. And then I want you to compare it to the way things were viewed and the opinions and the statements of the founders of our country when our constitution was just being established. Uh, this is from Thomas Jefferson. This is from John Adams in a letter that he wrote to Thomas Jefferson. If you don't know who these two men are, there's not much I can do to help you. Have you ever found in history one sim single example of a nation thoroughly corrupted that was afterwards restored to virtue? And without virtue, there can be no political liberty. Will you tell me how to prevent riches from becoming the effects of temperance and industry? Will you tell me how to prevent luxury from producing effeminacy 
intoxication, extravagance, vice, and folly. I believe no effort in favor of virtue is lost. So these gentlemen that structured, that wrote and penned, and knowing that they would probably die for it, signed the U.S. Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, understood very well the danger of luxury and this we call it prosperity, but I don't really think America has had prosperity for a long time. I think we've had this um, uh, runaway consumerism, and I think that's what they were warning about. But notice that he says when you, when what he calls luxury is just permeating a country, it produces effeminacy. What's he talking about? Homosexuality, intoxication. What do we see constantly on the rise? Drug abuse, extravagance. Who's worshipped in modern society? The Kardashians and all these, these people who just flaunt all this money that they have. Like it's the only thing that matters. Vice and folly. Again, an explanation of modern American society. This is also from John Adams. He says, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. What is being pushed back against in America. Morality. People do not want to be told that they have to live in a moral way. And when they refer to religion, they're referring to the Christian faith. The Christian faith is absolutely contrary to what America has become. He continues, avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a, as a whale goes through a net. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's why our country is rapidly deteriorating right now. This one's from Thomas Jefferson. God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God? that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Thomas Jefferson understood, John Adams understood, at all, as all these other men did, that you cannot separate liberties from God. Our liberties are a blessing from God. That's why the Declaration of Independence says that we have the right to uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when they're trying to take your guns, and I'm not a redneck that's you know driving a truck with a gun in the back window. I do own guns, and I think guns are very important because without guns, what can easily be taken from you? Without arms. You cannot defend yourself. Your liberties can be stripped away. So a lot of people, you know, stand on the Second Amendment and say, well, the Second Amendment says that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. That's absolutely true. But like Imposter Biden said, you know, we can change amendments whenever we want. I'm paraphrasing. I forget his exact wording. But what he was alluding to is the fact that we're that they are going to do everything they can to eliminate the Second Amendment. If they do, that is a bad thing. Understand. The Second Amendment does not have as much power as the Declaration of Independence, which says uh, that we are blessed with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are things that are, those are rights that we are given by God. They cannot be taken away. So the Second Amendment is, is, is actually not the most powerful protection we have in our protection, in our right to bear arms. So just, but look at how these men thought and the way that they viewed things and how far we've wandered from that. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, this is a fascinating fact. Both died on the same day, July 4th, 1826, exactly 50 years after they had signed the Declaration of Independence. Is that not the strangest thing? 50 years to the day after they signed that amazing Declaration of Independence, that's the day they both died. John Quincy Adams wrote this, and a lot of people may not be aware of this either. He says, I have been saying it every night for many years past, and I say it yet, and I expect to say it my last night on earth if I am conscious. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. For Jesus' sake, John Quincy Adams. Folks, I can't see Biden or any of our modern readers even understanding what that prayer is about. Again, just trying to paint a contrast between where we were and where we are now and why things are so out of control. The state of the modern church could cause many to throw up their hands in resignation. We've talked about the state of the country. The modern church is something I constantly talk about. I wish I didn't have to, but I will tell you, when I first came into ministry and the Lord was just opening my mind up to the truth of the gospel and he was revealing his truths to me so powerfully, this was probably you know, 15 years ago, the thing that blew me away as I studied and more truths were revealed to me is how corrupted the modern churches. And so that's why my ministry is very much aimed at trying to expose what's wrong with the modern church and to get us back to what we should be biblically. Because the more I learned, the, the farther I saw the church just wandering, they had wandered away from the truth of what the Bible teaches. And it's why it's so important to study scripture without presuppositions that we might bring in from what we think Christianity is and to study ancient church writings, study um, Augustine, even not ancient, study Spurgeon, study Calvin, read good books on church history, and you will be shocked at what the church was and what it has become. In our modern church, it's absolutely permeated with apostasy and outright heresy. There's so much divisiveness and hatred. Some of the most evil attacks that I have had in my life have been from Christians who hate the fact that I preach the gospel. There's so much human uh, hu uh, <laughs> humanism <coughs> excuse me, and worldliness that's crept into the modern church. That's why recovery programs are everywhere in the modern church, because there's no faith in the gospel, because we've tried to put our faith in humanity and the world. Popularity and personality over doctrinal truth. This is like a plague. It's like a plague in the church. We see a constant falling, falling away of social media superstar Christians. It's constantly happening because people enter the ministry for money, for fame, for recognition, rather than the calling of God to preach the uncompromised gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they fall, they usually take a lot with them. And we look to politicians to solve our problems rather than God. We've got to get back to looking to the Lord. Look at 2 Timothy 4, uh, 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 through 5. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Folks, one of those scriptures that speaks very clearly to the times in which we live right now. But if our eye is on the Lord and his eternal glory and truth, we will not be weighed down and depressed as the world around us spirals out of control. So the things I'm teaching, and I'm going to really try to get across through this coming storm series of sermons, is to edify us as a body, obviously, but also to strengthen, strengthen us as individuals. Because one thing that you will see happening, if you are truly walking with Christ and you're truly striving to be true to him and true to his word and to not compromise that gospel message, you will walk more and more alone. You will see more and more people fall away and wander off from the narrow path and go into the evil of the world. That's just the way it's going to be. If you're in Christ, that will not destroy you. That will not affect you as much because he's the one you're walking with. So the more you walk alone, you are growing closer to him. And I think that's just something we're going to see more and more. So if our eye is on the Lord and his eternal glory and truth, we will not be weighed down and depressed as the world around us spirals out of control. Now is the time for Christians to be simple, humble proclaimers of the gospel, living for Christ in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. 
Christians have an eternal impact far beyond what we can imagine. Regardless of how crazy things seem around us, we must look up to the Lord and to the eternal hope that we have in him. So keep your focus on Christ. Look at Isaiah 51, 6 through 7 and Luke 21, 28. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law, fear not the reproach of man, nor, nor be dismayed at their revilings. Very important things for us to remember as we go forward. And Luke 21, 28. Now, when these things began to take place, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Praise the Lord for that. We must be about our Father's work, sharing the gospel and caring for the church. But the main point that I want to make today is that we do not have to be popular superstar Christians. And this is what I really want to get across today. So many people who are Christians want to be superstars. They want to gather a following. They want to be big on social media. And it is destroying so many lives because of that. I cannot tell you how many people have contacted me over the last seven or eight years, uh, Christian families, and they want to send one of their kids to seminary, and they they want to go they want them to go to a seminary that will automatically enable them to get a job that pays a certain amount per year when they get out. I'm not kidding. This I've had this call so many times. They don't really care what the seminary teaches. They just want to be sure that they earn a certain amount of money when they get out. Folks, that's not something a Christian family would even be concerned with. And my advice is usually I would not send a kid to seminary nowadays. I would pray that they could grow very close to a Christian mentor, uh, that they could be discipled up with a small group of men that are, that are teaching them and nurturing them, like it happened at the beginning of the church that we read about in the Bible. That's how godly men were shaped, you see? but they want that popularity. They want that recognition. They want to be sure they're going to earn a lot of money and everybody's going to know their name. And that is why so many are falling. We share the word and the Lord brings the harvest when and how he sees fit. We must love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we must love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's why the title of the message today is uh, The Power of Simple, Humble, Christianity, because I'm going to give you an example of how powerful, simple, humble Christianity can be. But first of all, you must realize that you must reject worldly Christianity, or what I call nowadays churchianity, and you must be like a little child, adoring the Savior and sharing his love and the message of the gospel, shining his light brighter and brighter in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. The whole, consider this, and you're going to see what I'm talking about as I share this story with you. The power of the Holy Spirit through even one sentence we utter, one question we ask, can save more souls than we can imagine. And another point I want to make, if you're considering entering ministry because you see these guys that have become superstars in modern Christianity, consider the fact that God doesn't need you. We are blessed to partake in ministry. We are blessed to be a part of God's amazing and mysterious plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. He doesn't need us for that message to move forward. He blesses us with the ability and the opportunity to be a part of it. Just sort of think of it that way. That's where your humility will come from if you're really thinking about ministry. So I'm going to share a story with you. And anybody that's listened to me for any amount of time, I think I've shared this story twice before. Uh, I think three years ago is the last time I read it and probably two or three years before that. But I came across this years ago. And it's the story of a, an Australian man. And his name was Mr. Genor. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But I, the title that I gave it was The Incredible Story of Mr. Genor. And I just want you to look and what this guy did with his life and the impact that he had, because it'll really make the point that I'm trying to make, strive to be a simple, humble Christian. 
in your ministry. And every Christian's in ministry in some way. This is the story, and you can find it on the web. It's on a lot of different sites. People have posted it. A number of years ago in a Baptist church, church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing, and a stranger stood up in the back, raised his hand, and said, Excuse me, Pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch and said, You've got three minutes. And this man proceeded. He said, I just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney. It runs from the business hub out to the rocks of the colonial area. Now, I'll tell you, I've, I've been to Sydney. I spent some time there. George Street that he's talking about is that sort of hardcore part of town. It's that area where nice people don't really just go hang out. So this is what he's talking about. And he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words. Nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously and all the way on British and all the way on British Airlines back to Heathrow. This puzzled me. I called a friend who lived, who lived in this new area where I'm living now, and thank God he was a Christian. He led me to Christ, and I'm a Christian, and I want a fellowship here. So just that question that this little man posed to him in Sydney, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? Affected him in such a way that he sought out someone that he knew to be a Christian when he got home, and that man led him to Christ. So look at the power of that question. And Baptists love testimonies like that. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide. Now, this is the pastor of the church that this man had shared this testimony with. Says that Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And 10 days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling, and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney, and just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street. And a strange little white-haired man, an elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? And she said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you, that I am a Christian. Again, this man's same man, another person, that same question had a radical, profound effect on someone. Now the son and pastor was was now the son and pastor was now very puzzled. Twice within a fortnight he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of the church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how did you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago, and an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, just cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I he, he wouldn't listen to me, he said. I was seething with anger all the way home on Qantas to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago another life radically affected because of that simple question by that little man in Sydney. Now this London preacher flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District, and he threw in these three testimonies. So he goes to this convention and he shares about these stories that he's heard about this man. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving, giving us a tract and asking us that question. So now 
there's four pastors that said because of that question from that little man, they had been saved. Now think of how many lives they affected. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick convention in the Caribbean to missionaries, and he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Now, that's way down in the Caribbean, the other side of the world from Sydney. Coming back to London, he stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these Navy chaplains was up, over a thousand of them in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how did you become a Christian? And he said, well, it was miraculous. I was, I was a raiding on a United States battleship and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific and we docked in Sydney Harbor for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. King's Cross is the area I was talking about, not George Street, I'm sorry. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus and I got off in George Street. As I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly white haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet into my hands and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? And he said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ and I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in, in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on soul winning today. Same question, same old man. That London preacher six months later flew to a convention to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of Northeastern India. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you as a Hindu come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission and I traveled the world and I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. He said one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney and I was doing some last minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children walking down George Street. And this courteous little white haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved if you died tonight? Are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town. I sought out the Hindu priest and he couldn't help me, but he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fateful advice. He said, because that day that missionary led me to Christ. I quit Hinduism immediately and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we're winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Folks, in this instance, he uses a Hindu priest, points him to a Christian missionary who leads him to Christ, but it all goes back to that little man on George Street. Well, eight months later, the Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gamir, southern suburb of Sydney. And he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly man who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do. His name is Mr. Genor, but I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. And the man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to his little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down and made them some tea, and he was so frail that he was slopping tea into the saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was raiding on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life. And in a crisis, I really hit the wall. And one of my colleagues, whom I give literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day, as God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, and I couldn't do it, but I made up for it at other times. 
I was paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Now, I would say that has to be commitment, that ha this has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that. Not hearing of any results. Margarita, I think it's the, the author of this article's secretary, did a little count. That's 146,100 people that simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus. And I believe that what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out on the mission field. Mr. Gennard died two weeks later. And can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt if his face would have ever appeared on Charisma magazine. I doubt if there would have ever been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in Southern Sydney knew about Mr. Gennar, but I'll tell you his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Gaynor, and you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare that he went home to. Folks, that is the power of simple, humble Christianity. That man didn't have to have a social media account. He didn't have to have a PR agent. He just went and preached. A simple question, if you die tonight, do you know if you're going to heaven? And the Holy Spirit used that so powerfully that hundreds of thousands of people were saved because of it. That's the kind of attitude, that's the kind of viewpoint that we have got to get back to as the modern church. That is living contrary to this world. Look at 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'll ask you the question, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven? It's the most important question that you'll ever be faced with. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you to be able to learn about this man, this Mr. Gaynor, and the powerful work that he did, and the fact that he was faithful to the mission that he was engaged on in spite of no recognition, in spite of no thanks from humanity in spite of nobody taking the time to let him know that his work was being effective. He just faithfully served you and you blessed the work in a way that he couldn't imagine. And before he went to be with you at the very end of his days on this plane, you blessed him uh, with the awesome gift of knowing that he had been effective and he had preached the gospel to so many, and they had been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit through it. And we just ask that you would do that in more of our lives, that you would show us what it is to live simply and humbly and effectively for you, that we would stand in contradiction to this world, that we would shine in the darkness, and that we would not shy away from the truth because of any pressure that this world places on us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys for being here today, for listening. I've got one announcement. Uh, in Kenya, uh, we're very much committed to establishing the Bible school, like I've talked about before, at my friend Pastor Patrick's church. Uh, he lives just on the outskirts of Nairobi. He's got an awesome location for it. Uh, but right now, we are extremely tight on funds. Uh, we very much want to get moving forward on that. And something else that I would forgot to mention the last few times I brought it up, Patrick also has a children's school at his location where kids whose parents cannot afford to send them to, to any other school, he makes sure that they're educated. He also has another school just like that for kids 
uh, in Kisi, which is about six hours from Nairobi, uh, at his parents' property, where there's a little area for a school there. Uh, and I've been there. That school has actually been able to bring uh, students in over the last few months because it has been renovated enough to make it comfortable for them. So there's a little uh, classroom there, and I think there's about 10 children. You can see pictures of it if you go to the way, the letter r122.org, and just click on the, the Kenya, the Women's Ministry Church Kenya page. I've got some photos down at the bottom I just posted of that church with the children there, or that school with the children there. We want to establish the Bible slash pastoral training school at Patrick's location, and we want to be able to support these children's schools. And they are so needed right now with the devastation that's been caused through the coronavirus lockdown. So please pray about helping us with that. Our sponsor is Elephant Walk, uh, caring in every step, reflected in the quality of our products and the efforts to combat poverty and support wildlife conservation that our, helps, that our sales help support. Please take a few minutes and visit elephantwalk.net. If you'd like to visit our website, you can do so. It's at the way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast, the Way Radio Podcast, at ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. Just search for the Way Radio in the search field, and you'll be able to find the podcast. There's also some other great Christian podcasts there. You can find us on YouTube. Just search for the Way Ministry Church. And again, if you could please pray about helping us and supporting us. There's a lot of work for us to do, and you can do so by visiting our website at the way, the letter R122.org. All right, until next week, same time, same place. We will see you then. God bless you guys. Thank you.